welcome to Misunderstood, a podcast dedicated to better understanding MS and learning to live well with MS. I'm your host, Katie Sloan. Our usual reminders as we begin. First, I am not an expert. I'm just a person like you, living with MS and trying to make the best of it. Misunderstood is based on my personal experience, what I've learned from my doctors, other care providers, and my own solutions-oriented research and pattern-finding obsession. While the majority of the information I share has been vetted by doctors, I am not a doctor. My intention is that you use the information shared here as a springboard for discussion between you and your doctor regarding your future care options. And lastly, MS impacts each of us uniquely. I hope to shine a light on a wide range of approaches and strategies for living better with MS. But what you choose to do with that information is always your choice, and what works for one may not work for all. In our previous episode, we talked about EFT, or tapping, with EFT practitioner and author of Everyday Happiness, EFT Tapping for Self-Transformation That Really Works, Claire Hayes. If you've been thinking about reaching out to Claire to see how she can help support you on your healing journey, reminder that she offers a free 30-minute consultation and warmly welcomes outreach from our community. This week, we're going to look at a topic very relevant for us in activating and supporting our healing, behavioral activation. My gratitude this week is for someone who impacted my life as a child and continues to teach me today, even though he passed away in 2003. Fred McFeely Rogers, known best as Mr. Rogers, was a master of many things. His popular TV show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, ran from 1968 to 2001. As a child of the 70s, even for a child like me who didn't get to watch a lot of TV, I watched his show intently. If you did too, you remember the special way he talked with us and those in his neighborhood. You also might remember how he performed the exact same routine each show. He'd walk through the door take off his jacket, put on a sweater, sit down to take off his shoes, and put on his sneakers. You may have seen him do this as many as 865 times, since he did it every single episode. But do you know why Mr. Rogers did this? Fred believed that by structuring our days, we maximize our creativity and our ability for self-improvement. Something else you might not know is that this belief was not limited to how Fred acted on his show. Fred woke up religiously every morning at 5.30 to engage in reading, writing, and meditation. He refrained from habits he felt were unhealthy, like drinking, smoking, or eating meat. He also routinely took a mid-afternoon nap and consistently went to bed each night at 9.30 p.m. Turns out, he's on to something that can help us live well with MS. Even more fascinating is how Fred weighed himself every day, and for 30 years he maintained the exact same weight, 143 pounds. Fred read into this number in a unique way by assigning words to each numeral. According to the Fred Rogers Center website, Fred explained, 
It takes one letter to say I, four letters to say love, and three letters to say you. 143, to me, means I love you. Fred believed that taking care of himself consistently was an act of self-love. On the website, we also learn that Fred often shared 143 with others as a way of expressing his love and gratitude, and encouraged viewers to find their own ways to expand love in their lives. In 2019, Pennsylvania's governor, Tom Wolfe, decided to honor Fred Rogers on May 23rd, the 143rd day of the year, as 143 Day, a statewide day of kindness. And it doesn't stop there. The Fred Rogers Center also has the 143 Club, which helps support his philosophy on child development efforts around the world, with an annual membership cost of you got it, $143. If you want to learn more about Fred Rogers, I highly recommend both the documentary about him called Won't You Be My Neighbor, released in 2018, as well as the movie starring Tom Hanks, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, released in 2019. There's also a beautiful faith-based discussion guide to accompany the movie that can be used for deeper reflection. I'll be sure to post that PDF for our Patreon listeners. What a beautiful human Fred Rogers was, and I'm grateful for the ways he's been such a powerful teacher throughout my life. In many ways, he taught me the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and how to be a true ally and friend across lines of difference. He taught me the foundations of good teaching, the importance of speaking with children as people, to have real conversations with them that matter, and ask questions, listen intently, and deeply value and affirm their responses. And now, looking closely at Fred's deliberate routines for creativity and self-improvement, he continues to teach me about living well today. Thank you, Fred. If we rewind our thinking just a bit and recall episode 29, The Power of Pause as an Alignment Tool to Conquer Overwhelm and Live Our Best Lives, we talked about the importance of pushing pause in our lives to reevaluate how we are spending our time to ensure we are living in alignment and making the micro choices each day that support our healing. In that episode, I shared briefly that a significant focus in the Ayurvedic approach to treating MS is to develop intricate schedules that we stick to at least six days a week. This ensures we're consistently doing what we need to be doing to be able to live well with MS. As a reminder, Ayurveda, as defined by Merriam-Webster, is a form of alternative medicine that is the traditional system of medicine in India, which seeks to treat and integrate body, mind, and spirit, using a comprehensive, holistic approach, especially by emphasizing diet, herbal remedies, exercise, meditation, breathing, and physical therapy. One of the key Ayurvedic principles of treating MS that is relevant for us today is to increase regularity into our lives. As I mentioned, by developing intricate schedules that we stick to a minimum of six days a week. These schedules include eating, sleeping, and work. 
And beyond that, they deliberately include things that we often otherwise might deprioritize in our busy lives to make room for things that in the moment we may deem as more important. Ayurvedic healing for MS explicitly incorporates rest, specific breathing exercises, the act of regularly sitting still with a cup of hot tea, and even scheduled bathroom breaks. This learning came at a particularly good time for me. As listeners know, I've been working on developing new core routines for the past month and a half to ensure that I'm consistently prioritizing the things I need to prioritize for optimal MS health. While I've done similar exercises in the past and often redirected myself to wellness routines, I've never before given myself the gift of time within a pause to try things on and intentionally experiment with them for a while before landing on my final plan. My intention is that when I do arrive at a solidified plan, which I'm getting real close to, I'll create a customized daily and weekly planner to ensure I'm consistently doing and tracking what I want and need to do to support my personal wellness goals. I'll share just a few examples of daily core routines that I'm working on in case that's helpful to hear. And then I'll share how learning about behavioral activation has helped me up my game and become even more intentional in how I'm planning my days. Some routines are what I'm affectionately calling daily dues. Others are weekly dues. Daily dues are the few yet critical things I absolutely need to do every day to ensure wellness. Weekly dues are things I want to try to do most days of the week, but I know now from trying them on for a while that daily just isn't realistic for me at this point. This embedded intentional flexibility that I arrived at through trying on my desired routines over time to see how they fit is realistic. And that means for me that it's also sustainable over time. For what good is a care routine if it's not done routinely. At this point, some of my morning core routines are as follows. Some of my daily dues, stretch in bed. I've got to loosen those piriformis muscles and my hips and back. Take my vitamins and meds with a healthy breakfast. Do quick two minutes of EFT in the shower for a mental and physical check-in and alignment for the day ahead. My weekly dues include the SciFit Stepper at least five days a week, oil pulling for oral hygiene and detox at least three times a week, Symphony of the Cells essential oil treatment on my feet every three days, walk with Ryson and Eric at least three times a week, and rebound and PT at least three times a week. For my midday core routines, my daily dues are self-hypnotism or meditation on the patio or on my Belmont stretching mat. My reading of containment worksheets for ongoing anxiety reduction of my personal triggers. And a two-minute minimum of calf stretcher for maintenance, which I increase when needed. For my evening core routines, a daily do is wearing my neurotint glasses when viewing screens after the sun goes down and adhere to my 10 p.m. bedtime with a goal of being asleep by 11. Weekly do's for the evening are using paper books and journaling with my orange light before bed 
with no phone at least four nights a week. And apply sesame oil and DDR Prime essential oils on the bottom of my feet before bed, again at least three times a week. In addition to these core lists, I also naturally incorporated my personal values and things I love to do that bring me joy, such as singing and playing guitar, gardening, reading, and photography, so that I'm doing them on a regular basis too. Little did I know that this is actually really important, which leads us to today's topic of behavioral activation. Behavioral activation is a powerful tool to ensure we're living in alignment and is an additional layer to incorporate into our planning, development, and execution of our core routines. So, what is behavioral activation? It's a well-known yet simple approach that has been shown to have an extremely positive effect on our mood. Most of the early research stemmed from studies and treatments for those suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, or severe depression. Since depression and mood disorders run rampant in the MS community, this is a very relevant topic for us to explore as a helpful part of our treatment and ongoing wellness. As most of us have probably experienced, when we feel depressed or anxious, we're often less likely to do the things that we enjoy. We might retreat from family, friends, or hobbies that usually bring us joy. What we may not realize is that those are the times when engaging in these activities actually matters most. And by disengaging from pleasurable activities, it often results in more isolation, detachment, malaise, and increased anxiety and depression. Behavioral activation understands that this happens to a greater extent in vulnerable populations who are less likely to experience recurring positive rewards in their current environments. Behavioral activation is based on the identification of specific goals and activities or actions that, one, bring us joy and satisfaction while we're doing them, or two, give us a sense of extreme satisfaction and achievement after we've accomplished them, even if we might not enjoy them thoroughly while we're doing them. By ensuring that we have daily core routines that encompass these two things, one, things that bring us joy and satisfaction while we're doing them, and two, things that give us a sense of extreme satisfaction and achievement after we've accomplished them, we can significantly improve our mental health and overall outlook on life. How this works is that over time, we consistently engage in positively rewarding activities, which keeps our mental health outlook in a good place, regardless of the challenges we might be facing. When we notice we're feeling particularly anxious or depressed, by working on an activity that either brings joy while doing or extreme satisfaction after doing, we learn quickly just how substantially behavior can affect our mood. Folks who have used behavioral activation state that they experience a greater sense of reward in their lives and experience increased ability to solve problems that emerge in their lives as they learn to walk away from unhealthy avoidance behaviors and unproductive rumination. 
Listeners, you won't be surprised to know that I decided to put this concept to the test in my own life to see how it works and test its validity. So for the past few weeks, I've been researching behavioral activation and actively incorporating the concept into my daily life. I've definitely noticed some positive impacts, and yet I was still curious to know how it would work with someone whose suffering is more intense than mine typically is. This past week, fortunately or unfortunately, presented the perfect opportunity to test this theory from a place of pain and declining mental health. While working in the garden, I often overestimate my current abilities. As someone with severe spasticity and a history of repeatedly torn ligaments, I know I need to be especially careful with some tasks. And yet, when I see a challenge in typical Katie fashion, I take it. And surely, I thought, a foot-tall weed's taproot was no competition for me, right? Well, the good news is that I got the weed out. The bad news, renewed rotator cuff pain. And the worst news of all? I recently bought myself a weed weasel to help with those stubborn weeds. I've been using it religiously for weeks, and it works great. Yet on this day, I decided to go it alone, just me versus the weed. Because this painful injury was totally avoidable, I was beating myself up about my poor decision. All this to say, I wasn't in a great place emotionally or physically given the pain, which has been quite extreme at times, stabbing knife pain with each deep breath. So, after a bit of soul spelunking to come up with a solution, where I was reminded of former President Barack Obama's words on turning anguish into action, I decided to try some of my new behavioral activation strategies to specifically see how it could help me through this tough time. Each time I was either, one, experiencing a lot of pain, or two, feeling disappointed or ashamed with myself, I did something about it. Sometimes I chose something that would immediately bring me joy, like a walk around the garden with my camera, playing with ricin, reading a book, or playing board games with Eric. And other times I chose something that was wearing on me, that I needed to get done but had previously procrastinated doing like cleaning up papers that had piled up on a chair, an Amazon package I had yet to open and unpack, a kitchen counter that was getting a wee bit unruly, a birthday card still unsent. And you know what? Each time I did something, I actually felt a little better. And more often than not, significantly better. Enough to know that I wanted to continue researching behavioral activation and add specific daily dues in a very deliberate way to my proposed schedule to ensure that every day I do something that brings me joy while doing it and something that brings me great satisfaction when it's done. So let's look a little more closely at behavioral activation, how it works, and how we can use it to live well with MS to turn our anguish into action. The behavioral activation model states that when life events we perceive as negative, such as trauma, grief, stress, anxiety, depression, living with a chronic illness, or having a genetic predisposition to a mental health challenge, this can leave a person in a dire state where they experience very little positive reinforcement. 
This in turn may lead to unhealthy choices, not getting enough restorative sleep, not eating well or exercising, not adhering to our typical self-care routines, withdrawing from social activities, using drugs or alcohol, all as an escape attempt to avoid feeling badly. The problem with these unhealthy choices is that while they may provide temporary relief or momentary distraction, they inevitably result in the worsening of overall mental and physical health. By both increasing the positive behavior choices and replacing the existing negative behavior choices with healthier ones, we can end once and for all the negative behavior patterns that continue to impede our health and happiness. Now, that's easy to say, but anyone who has tried to implement major behavior changes while living with a chronic illness like MS, it's not always or even often remotely easy. Part of this is because finding the motivation within and encouraging ourselves to do something when we feel like crap isn't easy. Newton's first law of physics, or the law of inertia, helps us understand this. An object at rest stays at rest. The other part of this law, however, is important too. An object in motion tends to stay in motion unless acted upon by an external force. Time spent, whether at rest or in motion, over time when repeated becomes habit. As fitness experts say, we don't stop moving because we grow old. We grow old because we stop moving. So while it's important that we incorporate deliberate and truly restful rest into our days, it's also important that we incorporate motion, however small it needs to be at first, just to break the cycle. Turns out when we experience pain or emotional distress, changing things up in this manner can help us quite a bit. So, now, when I'm doing a sedentary task and don't feel great, I get up and move to do something fun like dance or garden, or I do something that brings me immediate joy, like singing or accomplish a small task that I've been putting off. In a similar way, when I don't feel great in motion, I'm learning to calm it down by sitting on the patio and listening to the birds, or laying on a lounge chair to stretch, or just breathe. In time, with repetition, this practice is helping me to better manage both physical pain and emotional distress. When we understand how this works and begin to experience it for ourselves, it becomes much easier to activate in the moment. It can be helpful for us to take a moment and reflect upon our own unique negative behaviors when we aren't feeling our best. For example, if we're not feeling well, we might sleep in well past morning. The consequences might be that we don't then have time to do what we need to do to help us feel better, like eat a healthy breakfast, go for a walk, talk with a friend, or participate in other self-care activities. As a result, we're now even more stressed about things we haven't done and might even feel guilt or shame or increased fatigue since we didn't take the time to feed ourselves a healthy, energizing meal. We might also then not sleep well that night, creating a vicious cycle that often grows with each rotation, making it more and more difficult to exit the spinning roundabout. 
One of the first steps after identifying our own unique negative behaviors or tendencies is to identify positive replacement behaviors that get us closer to our goals. Experts recommend starting with replacements that are both easy and rewarding. So, for someone struggling to get out of bed, for instance, an enticing ready-to-eat healthy meal, or an automatic coffee maker you can smell from the bedroom, or an enthusiastic pet ready for their morning walk can help us break our unhealthy patterns. As motivation and mood start to improve over time, we can then transition to more challenging positive activities and those that require waiting or working harder for long-term benefits and rewards. For some of us, this will be easy enough to get started on, but for some, not so much. So I want to share some additional helpful tips I came across while researching behavioral activation strategies in case they help you like they helped me. One, make a list of activities that are very important to you, not others. This isn't a list of things we or others feel we should do, but they are things we want to do. This helps us ensure that our motivation is coming from a healthy place, and when we feel a stronger connection to or alignment with the healthy alternatives, it's much easier to find motivation. We can ask ourselves, what matters most to me? Am I doing things every day that I feel are important to me and bring me joy? Am I living the life I want to live? What can I do better? to actualize my dreams? What have I done lately that is frivolous and fun? These and other self-reflective questions help us hone in on what we authentically value and truly desire. And that is how we find the motivation for change. Two, we can also write SMART goals. SMART is a helpful acronym to help us write personal or professional goals that are specific measurable, attainable, relevant, and timely. By writing goals in this way, we're much more likely to attain them because we have thoroughly thought them through by design. SMART goals are specific and narrow in scope so they are clear and easier to achieve. SMART goals are measurable so we can see our progress over time. SMART goals are also attainable and that they should be reasonably able to be accomplished within a reasonable time frame. SMART goals are also relevant and strongly aligned with our personal values and long-term goals, not someone else's. Lastly, SMART goals are timely. By setting realistic time parameters, we're much more likely to prioritize our goals and cultivate the motivation we need to achieve our goals in a timely fashion. Three, it can be helpful to make lists of activities or to-dos to keep on hand, rated from easiest to hardest. When we're experiencing low motivation, we can choose the easier tasks and activities to help us get moving and also limit our negative avoidance behaviors to keep our motivation from deteriorating further. When we're feeling highly motivated, we can tackle a harder to-do, maybe followed by a fun reward. Four, when we make our lists of activities, it's important to include things that excite us and bring us true joy. Many habitual list makers often have robust lists of to-dos, but everything that makes the list is boring and arduous. 
by including fun and exciting to-dos, it helps bring more balance to our daily activities and see them as opportunities for fun and satisfaction rather than just boring things we need to slog through to get to the other side. Adding things to the list like call mom, paint my toenails, send a birthday card to a friend, or even helpful tasks that feel like rewards, like get a massage, are really important too. Don't make the critical mistake of writing a list of all have-tos. Combine them with want-tos for more balance in life, because the more balanced our lives become, the more likely our motivation will come into balance as well, and no longer be a hindrance to making our dreams come true. Behavioral activation is a proven method in addressing low motivation, depression, and anxiety. Understanding the cycle, reflecting on where we're at in the cycle, and then taking small steps utilizing behavioral activation strategies will yield positive impacts on our mood. By intentionally adding just a few tasks each day that bring us immediate joy while we're doing them, and tasks that yield significant satisfaction when they are completed can make a big difference in just a few short weeks. I'm already noticing that I'm feeling better. My painful shoulder is definitely still there, but I'm not wallowing like I have in the past. And I feel really good that I've been able to be so productive even with an injured wing. I also added some relevant self-care items into my list, which is helping a lot with my rotator cuff repair, using my TENS unit, icing, stretching, and using Muscle Soothing Deep Blue Essential Oil Rub. With my daily dues and weekly dues almost solidified and truly enhanced through the addition of behavioral activation strategies, I feel much better about how I'm spending my time. I'm more intentional, feel more productive, seem happier, and have been able to weather the painful storm that is my shoulder much better than I have in the past. Put simply, behavioral activation works. In fact, researchers have found it to be superior to other forms of cognitive therapy and especially helpful for people where other approaches have failed. This approach is different in that it sets aside feelings and thought patterns to focus instead on behavior and environment. And because it's scaffolded to provide an extra layer of support through starting easy and small and building fulfillment over time, we can use behavioral activation to help us live more meaningful and fulfilling lives. By adding behavioral activation behaviors into my daily dues and weekly dues, I am ensuring that each day I am deliberately doing what I love and experiencing significant satisfaction, even on my harder days. So, now I've added to my daily dues, do something in the garden, visit my meditation sit spot, do one micro cleaning or organizing task, and do something music related. This process has also helped illuminate some additional ways I can streamline my life by making my house work for me, rather than me fitting into how the house works. I've been slowly reconfiguring my office, a cozy reading corner in my bedroom, and a quiet podcast recording area in the guest room. If you're interested in creating daily dues and weekly dues, here's a way to start. 
First, plan ahead. Block out chunks of your days, week, or month for the activities that matter most. Time for you to take care of yourself, for work, exercise, spending time with family, sleeping or napping, cooking, shopping, and making sure we make time for a favorite hobby. Keep it simple. Think about what you normally do and what works well for each activity on your list and can make that into a repeatable pattern you can replicate in areas that aren't working as well. By starting small and experiencing small successes early, we train ourselves efficiently and are routinized in much less time. Create physical reminders. Muscle memory is real. Our bodies remember patterns. This is why it's often recommended, for instance, to always put our keys in the same place when we come home. And after a while of this repeated motion, it becomes automatic. We can utilize visual cues. In a similar way, we can use visual cues, like setting our walking shoes and clothes in the same place near our bed so they are visible and ready to go. That simple action can help us overcome inertia. I'll post a few additional resources and templates I found for how to incorporate behavioral activation concepts in your life on our Patreon page. My hope is that after listening to this episode, we all, one, understand how important it is to regularly tend to our physical and mental health. Two, that we each take some time to gain clarity on what matters most to us to accomplish and experience every day we're given to live on this planet. And that those things that matter most are strongly reflected in our daily and weekly routines. Three, that we understand how behavioral activation works and how it can help us create and adhere to daily and weekly core routines for optimal health. And four, that we leave this episode contemplating ways we can all live more like Mr. Fred Rogers by taking good care of ourselves through dedicated healthy routines and spreading love, one, four, three, or in our own unique way throughout the world. The next flock meeting is this Saturday, May 1st. At the flock meeting, we'll discuss this episode and other episodes released earlier this month, and we'll just spend some virtual time together supporting one another as we all strive to live well with MS. I'm eager to hear how flock members are thinking about their daily routines and how incorporating behavioral activation into existing routines might be helpful. If you're not yet a flock member but would like to be, join us. We meet via Zoom the first Saturday of each month. You can learn more and join us by visiting patreon.com slash msflock. As always, I encourage all listeners to reach out with questions, comments, future podcast topics, or guest ideas via email to mymsflock at gmail.com. And lastly, remember, as we travel through life with MS, we're certain to hit some turbulence. We'll get through it, especially if we're flying together, supporting one another. Thank you for listening, and until next time, be well.